Hey guys, welcome to Baato Ki Therapy Two, Season One, Episode Three. And this one is a very, very interesting one. I think a lot of you people would be interested to know, or at least just hear about the gaming, the gaming side of things. We have talked about Bill Ninety Six. We have talked about each other. Now let's talk like straight to gaming. We'll do the dude stuff. You know, we'll just go directly. Why? Abhi kya karna hai? Game khelne gaye. Yeah, Piyush. I think yeah, it's high time we got into the fun part of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we we've, we've discussed boring topics like each other <laughs> and bill 96 <laughs> but i think it's high time we uh, got to do meet some people who do some yeah, fun we, we're riding the wave we're riding the wave we got the low yeah, of bill 96 we're going to go high with gaming before we introduce i just want to give some context uh, the topic today is something that is very close to my heart uh, because um, okay i mean there's no need for suspense i think it's right there in the title of the uh, podcast episode but we're going to do uh, an interview we're going to interview we're going to chat with somebody who's a game tester and uh, back in the day when i was an avid gamer i still consider myself worthy of the tag because of the number of games i used to play but uh, i don't play play as much anymore but back then it used to be one of those dream jobs mm. until i realized what it actually entailed <laughs> So yeah. anybody who's got stuck at a difficult level in a game and has had played fifty three times before you get through will realize that that is just a uh, a day in the life of a game tester. It looks great fun, and I'm sure it's great great fun. Um, but there are also little things to it, little intricate intricacies and nuances that we don't know about. So Piyush, you want to introduce our uh, our guest today? For sure. So we have our very dear friend. Carl Michael with us. Oh. I love his email ID. I'm gonna mention that it is it is it is a true gamer. Carl Michael the gamer at the rate gmail dot com. If I'm not wrong. Yeah, Carl Michael dot the gamer at gmail dot com. Yep. Don't forget the dot. Of course, of course. Don't don't forget the dot. Nobody's gonna be confused after reading his email as to what he really what his hobbies are. As a simple, as a very simple, like Piyush at the rate Bhatuki Therapy Two dot com, right? Here's a like no boss. I'm gonna put in. I am the gamer. It's it's absolutely amazing to have you. And again, this is a very different industry from both me and Sandeepa part of. And would love to have a conversation with you about this. Yeah, I'll put it this way: for somebody who who's worked in film and television, for me. Gaming is the glamour industry. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. My point. Everybody thinks what I do, um, you know, what we do, working in films and all, is glamour for me. What Carl does is the glamorous industry. So welcome, Carl. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We have a list of questions. I think uh, Piyush has uh, drawn up a list of questions. But before we get to question number one, I want to ask, in your own words, what is game testing? What does a game tester do? What does a ga- who is a game tester? A game person can be anyone who wants to jump into the industry. Of course, the main important skill is that you need to have keen observation, and that's really important when testing a game. But even apart from that, if you have good knowledge of music, because you need to hear sounds, and and obviously, it's first and foremost, it's always passion for games. That's very important because only once you're passionate about it, you get to know. If you play a lot of games, then you know how the mechanics work. How How the game works, and you can always put in ideas, and and obviously you're gonna test more and more games. It may not be as fun because you're gonna repeat that same area thousand and two thousand times, and you need to know certain things about how to report bugs and stuff like that. Right. So yeah. even though it's a fun and good job, there's still a lot of um, stuff you need to know and stuff to learn. I never thought that you know when you mentioned that you should hear sounds and all that, like you should also be very aware of that. I nay, I never, I never thought that that would be a required skill set. But then now, now when you mention, like it makes sense. It may completely make sense. Yeah, I'm guessing you have to be really good at gaming. I mean, it's not. uh let me put this I, i'm i'm not um i mean it, this might come across as really disingenuous what i'm saying but i'm guessing you have to be really good are we testing for the best gamer out there or are we testing for an average gamer so which in in k in what i mean to say is when you're a game tester do you have to be like the absolute best game player in the world um or not a professional i guess you could be a professional as well or are we other game companies looking at an average guy who's got pretty much a little slightly above average skills so that they're testing for the most part of the population so i can break it down uh, uh, there there are a few companies over here uh, that is like uh, keywords and global step and they are doing pure gear and with the team i met you know i met people with almost no gaming knowledge 
up to persons who are professional uh, street fighters and uh, professional FPS shooters. And it depends on uh, each game what they require. Certain companies might come to us saying, hey, we need professional street fighters or fighting gamers because we need to test certain combo skills that not everyone can execute. It's by frame by frame. Sometimes, you know, for me to test that, I have to literally slow down this thing and move my character in slow motion to execute that combo. So for some who needs to do it in real time, they would hire, you know, professional uh, people. While some, you know, those entry-level mobile, especially casual gamers, they can hire like a 45-year-old lady to start testing because they are the key audience. I'm not joking. They are the the key audience and the other ones, if they like the game, others are going to like the game. So they can, anybody and anybody can play. And it depends on each company's requirements and stuff like that. So it's a combination of debugging as well as making sure that it the odd like the game is good enough that people can play and people can enjoy that yeah, game may not be good also that's the point of here right <laughs> we test and see if the game is good or not good, good and we, right right we bring out the bad part right and we improvise on that and make it good right yeah so that's the main role we put in suggestions we put in uh music performance performance is also another thing which area is lagging that those things we have to track so yeah etc etc uh, and why I know this is, I'm just not QA in my previous, like past 10 years, I've been doing even game designing, hmm. economy game designing and game producer. So yeah, I've been covering like this for almost 11 years now. So wow. yeah, so I think that was, uh, that was supposed to be my first question. Like Carl, like yeah. what do you do? Like, you know, where, what company are you with? What role are you in? Like, if you can give us a little more, little bit more explanation and you, you did mention a few words about game designing and, you know, economic yes. game designing also. Yep. Like a little bit more elaboration that that would be great to have. Okay. So I would kick off. Uh, I started as a tester in Cochin. Uh, they had a, 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 it's called Ruby 7 Studios. It was the first, uh, like it was one of the big companies in Cochin and they were focusing on mobile games. And now they're slowly moving into cas- uh, casino space and stuff like that. Uh, so there I've been the tester and then designer and producer because people are short. I had to do both like designing and production. Uh, but then later um, I even, uh, uh, you know, I did my work at uh, Octane Technologies and even 99 Games, which is one of the big studios as well, uh, all on mobile games like Starship and stuff. But it's only when I moved into Montreal that I've been working at Keywords and Global Step and even Gameloft. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah. So at the Global Step and Keywords, I worked as QA and we had tie-ups with a lot of the top companies out there, like a few publishers, uh, pretty good publishers. Uh, we used to test their games and especially AAA titles. So that's where most of my broader knowledge comes from there. We even tested VR. You know, when the new VR was coming in, we had to test before the even the... Kit was out, so it was amazing. Uh, game Game Loft is where I worked as economy game designer for almost a year, and then after that, uh, now I'm in the betterverse space. Now I've been hired as a level designer, but now I'm doing both level game as well as uh, QA lead, oh, wow. more like the manager role kind of. So yeah, Carl. Um, I mean, it's very interesting to hear you say this, but it's not a it's not a job. I, I actually, I'd, I'd even say. Uh, other than maybe mobile gaming is not even an industry that has really taken off in India, particularly. I don't think there are too many game developers from India, unless I guess there are a lot of people who are doing mobile gaming. <laughs> There's the uh, people who came out with the Indian version of uh, PUBG so quickly. I was amazed. Uh, I mean, <laughs> practically before the Indian government had banned it, there was a version. But in terms of actual um, console or PC games and so on, I I don't I don't know whether uh, there are as many developers in India. So considering the how nascent this industry is, how did you come across a, a job like this, and how did you get started, and you know make your way through that? How did you know that a job like this even exists? So, first of all, uh, during my education and after I completed my master's in bioinformatics, <laughs> I was not getting I was not getting jobs. Uh, uh, it was not easy finding jobs, and then I was just playing games. And my dad was like, "Hey, well, stop playing games and I'll you know try to you know look for something." Uh, and then that's when it clicked me. Hey, why don't I just try uh, gaming jobs or something like that? And I searched. And what a surprise. That's one in Cochin. And then I was like, okay, I'll apply for them and see. Yeah. Of course, the package and all this is very minute. 
compared, <laughs> you know, obviously when you're starting as a tester in any company, it's not as big. And But I just wanted to start off there. And that's where they kicked off from there. They were work, working on PC games, like puzzle games. And then they started moving into mobile. And uh, and you'll be surprised how many mobile studios are actually there in India. Like initially, Cochin had only one or two. Now it's just like 10. And Mumbai, Mumbai also had already like five. It's grown up to 15. Of course, they're all minor developers. But of course, there's even tri- uh, AAA companies like uh, EA and all that's there in Bangalore and Hyderabad. Hyderabad has now become another gaming hub with a lot of big companies out there. And Pune. Pune is huge. Like Pune has Ubisoft and everywhere. So, and they work on mobile games as well as PC. So yeah, mobile is huge in India. Like they understand the, where the money is coming from. And if you want to make that comparison, mobile game at least make like 20 to 30 times more than what PC and console put together. Whoa. So if, if, you, if you look into today's, like overall gaming is coming close to $100 billion, uh, billion worth. Uh, at least 70 to 80 billion comes from mobile games. Wow. And just 20 to 30 comes from console. That's a, that's a, that's a huge number. I'm assuming profit margins, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, like profit margins on mobile games are much, much higher compared to on. You can make a mobile game in a month with a few teams and the money you generate, you already generating profit within a few days. The business model is very um, attractive, right? I mean, uh, most games are, either have a very nominal cost or a free, but then the in-app purchases are what actually keep accruing. Yep. So you keep, and once you get hooked to the game, you want to, uh, you're really into it. You want to get a special, special kind of kit or you want certain kind of powers. You spend either spend money or you spend days and days and days accumulating that. Sometimes you just want to go ahead with that game. So, you know, your one rupee 99 goes out and then that keeps that one rupee 99 or 10 rupees 99, whatever it is, keeps accumulating and suddenly you're, and then you add to the number of people. See also uh, why mobile gaming is so popular is because everybody has a gaming device. Yeah. Yeah. And it's much cheaper, right? Okay. It is. Right. So not everybody has an Xbox or a PS. I mean, you, as, as we were discussing, you can't find a PS5 for love or money nowadays. Um, so you're, most of us are on older generation Sony. So consoles are a problem. Um, uh, creating a good quality PC setup for a decent gaming experience is expensive. So then what do you have left? You have, you have your mobile device and everybody has a game. And obviously your game designers probably won't make it so uh, heavy that only your really high-end games. You, you're looking at medium-end uh, phones also. Did you know that you can play Xbox games on your phone now? I had heard. <laughs> Xbox Live Arcade? Yeah, Xbox Cloud. You can literally... Oh, it's a cloud. X Cloud. So you can literally have your Xbox account. You have your iPhone. Just log, just install it, and you, I'm playing Halo and Gears of War on my phone, and I just have to attach a joystick to it. Yeah, it's it's like they're using streaming. Yeah, yeah. A lot of companies want to get into that space as well, like the handheld yeah. gaming space with Google yes. Stadia and your Steam Steam Decks and everything. Exactly, Google Stadia was such an amazing model, but yeah, it failed so hard. And I'm I'm ha- I'm happy to hear that there are like industries or there is a chance that anyone who wants who's in India can actually try it out and, you know, expand something rather than those conventional job streams. Yep. Like I would, I don't know why I would start considering visual effects as, you know, mainstream as well, or, you know, very, very normal one to have these days because we know a lot of people, but gaming again, like for, as, as Sandeep mentioned that right, it's very niche, niche and, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's very niche for us because we don't know. We don't know a lot of people from that industry. Like I, I actually can count on my hand from people I know who are, who are from that industry. That obviously includes you, Carl. Uh, but then my thing is like, you moved into gaming, you started with testing and now you yep. did, you did mention about now you're developing the, uh, you know, developer as well. You're working with the QA lead as well. Like, is this more on job training or you had to do some training or some learning on your own before you jumped into all of this? Like if I, as a person, I, let's say I'm in 12th grade, right? I'm fine trying to figure out what next I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm good at gaming. I want to do gaming. Yes. Uh, what can I, what approaches can I take to at least, you know, to either have a, you know, a higher hand or upper hand when I, like if I apply for a, for industry, for a job in the gaming industry. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, I would, uh, I would again, go back to the point of passion. 
because I've been gaming since I was like four years old. So I've been gaming for like 30 plus years. So that itself was useful. But <laughs> while having a job interview, they're going to ask like, what games have you played? The worst answer you should give is FIFA and NFS because that's what everybody <laughs> plays. So you have to give out games that you've played, especially mobile game, casual games. And I told them I played this in this Facebook game. I played this in this mobile games. I have this consoles. And they were like, okay, so I do have a broader knowledge of games. This is for tester because uh, even nowadays, when you want to get into the tester with in India or Canada, they're going to ask you like, how many devices have you played? Because nowadays companies are being flexible nowadays, right? First they'll do mobile and now suddenly they want to do something else and we don't know what new technology. So you always have to be up to date with that. So yeah, I mean, as long as you have that passion and drive to learn, that's first of all. And then next thing is entry for entry levels, uh, you can always start with testers. That's where almost everyone has started from. Like anyone who has become producers or designers have all started of started from QA, most of them. Only a few of them, like those who've done like uh, project management training and all, uh, or even MBAs got into, you know, much higher position roles, like, uh, like you know, the project managers and, you know, on a managing role and, uh, yeah, but yeah, for anybody who's just want to just jump in, I think QA is always a good start. Of course, you, you'll have to t- take a hit on uh, your paychecks because you're not going to get as much, but the experience again, and then once you're into uh, that industry, then, uh, you know, you can see where your skills themselves are even better compared to QA. So they found out I'm also good at designing and producing, and that's why they made me producer and designer because of my gaming knowledge and, you know, the way I could handle things. And uh, the best part in like early days, like the, it's, everybody's learning, right? So once you jump into it, you're learning with them also. And that's where, you, that's where I had the chance to learn, you know, level designing tools. And uh, even when I was a producer, I had to learn all the analytic tools and, you know, to observe revenue and also all that was learning experience with others. So I was lucky enough to learn while on the go. So even even nowadays, any company you go to, they'll obviously like I've seen a lot of testers recently, even at uh, um, you know Ada's Montreal and all. Like some of them have been testers, but now they've moved into writing. And one of them won even the award, Game of the Year award for best narration for Guardians of the Galaxy. I knew a few of those guys. So yeah, it is good story for them. They were testers, but then they became writers, and then they had to give them little training, like what to do and what to learn. And, and that companies are ready to teach you if, if they know you're good enough, you know, some even move into other areas of designs. So people can learn in the company. Itself. But if you want to jump in straight away, like if you want to get into big, big shot, high AAA industry, like you want to kickstart with a good salary and all you have to get a good education. And then after that, uh, if you want to, uh, for anyone who wants to learn game design or just multimedia, I would say yeah. learn Unreal and Unity. Right, right. Of course. Learn those two, especially Unreal, because now right. Unreal is everywhere. It's right. in the movies, it's in animations, yeah, yeah. it's in games. So if you know how to use that tool, yeah, the sky's the limit for anyone. Like they can always move into other fields. They can move from game development to design and they can start modeling to start designing games. Unreal. Learn Unreal and Unity. Uh, Carl, so I was uh, wondering uh, what so I'm starting now as a game tester. What kind of skills do you need uh, when you're getting into the uh, testing environment or getting into a job that requires playing the same thing over and over again, playing parts of the same thing over and over again, and then understanding and judging and so on. So what are the skills? What what kind of stuff do you need to have or need to know that you have before you get into uh, into a job like this? Yeah, we need, uh, first of all, everyone's going to test as your observation because once you're playing the game, you need to know what you're looking for and how do you find bugs is you have to really be observant uh, of what all bugs are there, what could be happening. Other thing is, obviously, uh, this is part of the training. They're going to train you how to use certain tools, how to record performances because you need performance capturing tools to catch all the hiccups. Uh, you need good headsets so that you know when when your voice, when your mouth, lip movements, and the sound is you know on contact with each other, but the subtitles are matching. So you need to know a bit of English grammar because right. then you can pinpoint the alphabet, you know, mistakes and spellings, and uh, even grammar. Uh, <laughs> so some basic English grammar could, would be helpful. But of course, they already have a, t- a team who does that. 
that's why even localization is important. Some studios, if you know different language, you have you can get into localization. There have been people here who knows Hindi and does Hindi localization. Oh, so so even good language could be helpful in certain areas of QA. But yeah, most importantly, they always look for so even the tests during interviews and all. They are going to test as your keen observation, and you need to be alert. Alert in the sense. Once you get the bug, you need to report it immediately, and you need that clear communication. Like, let your lead know how. That's of course, if the bug is severely high priority, uh, you need to know. You need to differentiate what's major, what's minor, what's affecting development, what could be blocking. So you need to have that idea. But that comes with when you when you test more games and you get gain more experience, you can pinpoint what's really important. So you need to be alert, active. Uh, also, you need to just. Uh, be willing to learn because yeah. there's tons of tools out there. You still need to learn because each studio has their own different tools. They have their own different tracking systems. They have bug tracking. Jira is the most important one for anyone mm. who wants to know QA and all. Jira is the best one. It is the most powerful one, and ninety percentage of the companies use Jira. So if you know Jira, you know how to track bugs. That's very common in visual effects as well. Like we track a lot yeah. of our bugs with Jira. Like that's the that's the de facto, you know, default software that you have to have to know. Yeah, and always be the person just to jump ahead and say, "Yes, I want to know this." Like if they're saying, "Hey, we're going to do some training or something," we're going to do that. You'd be, "Yep, I'm I'm willing to do it. I'll do it." And that's how I came to learn how to even do dashboarding and how to assign tasks and create my own tasks in Jira. So, so it oh. makes even your bug tracking system even better. You can drag bugs and also, I mean, it's just there's just few things. It, it depends on each person, like how they approach it. But yeah, but for me, I think you have to be you have to be passionate, keen observer, uh, ready, alert, be active as possible. Makes get sense. Good, get good headphones. <laughs> headphones. Headphones are important. <laughs> Do you have to use your own equipment, or are you provided equipment by the company that you're testing for? Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Like uh, so, like both the companies, like Keywords and Global, uh, especially Global because I worked in that company during the pan- uh, pandemic crisis. Uh, usually, we we always go to the office that has the full supply. But since you work from home, they give you the option. First of all, they'll ask you for your configuration. But since my graphic cards is good enough uh, to support almost most of the games, they're like, okay, so that's fine. You can use your own system, but you need to install this and the software so that we need to to run in you know, the other system to run it there, you know, like connect to the other system that's an office and work from there. So that is fine. If you want, they can even provide you all the devices. You can just request for a monitor. If you don't have any device, you can request for a monitor. You can request for a keyboard, you can a CPU. Uh, no, not keyboard. I, definitely the machine monitor, obviously they'll provide that to you. I've seen it done for others. And even headphones also, I mean, anything based on your request. Because even some of my friends, we could play a PS5 controller on a system that's in office. You can connect it there and play over there. But the problem is you don't have a PS5 controller because nobody gets it. But the office will get it and send to you the PS5 controller. Wow. Yeah. I think that is how they adapted with the whole pandemic thing. Because I think yeah. with gaming and visual effects, I think they go hand in hand because it has always been about oh, the client IP, right? So they don't want the yes. games to leak. They don't want things to leak. But no. all of them adopted and they were like, oh, okay, fine. You can work until you can work. Just work from home. Not a problem. Yeah. Um. So Carl, you mentioned something about not something not being easy and so on. So. I mean, as glamorous and all, and as fun as it looks from the outside, what are the, some of the things that you don't enjoy about being a tester and a game, the gaming industry, especially testing? I mean, development is, then you get into a job and, you know, considering we're all into the development game for television and visual effects and all that, we understand that. But this game, as a game tester, what are the some things you don't like? Yeah, um, the worst and one is when you're coming so close to the release date and then there's still so much to be done. And of, of course, anything that needs to be done has to be QA'd. So it's what we always call the crunch time. And yeah. that's the worst in QA. Uh, in India, it was bad because uh, at, some, at one point of time, I was the only tester and I had to test like five projects at once. So I never slept for like two days. So there were there were those moments that you don't get sleep also, and you need to keep testing, testing, testing. And uh, so crunch is one. I think it's everywhere. Like everyone's crunching 
you yeah you, you got to be ready to crunch uh, i think there was a controversy i mean there was a big uh, thing i think rocksteady was called out on its crunch uh, policy a couple of years ago and then the, i think that set the a whole bunch of dominoes falling yes. about how the the term crunch mm-hmm. has become such a, i mean it's supposed to be something that happens rarely and maybe towards the yeah. really close to a yeah, launch but right. now it's become a norm in the gaming industry that everything is crunch crunch has become instead of the outlier it has become the way things have done there was a there's quite a bit of a controversy uh, a couple of years ago about this and kotaku or somebody had reported on yeah. things like this I right i think the most recent one was not not with the along with the crunch time because like i think the cyberpunk fiasco that happened right like, yeah i was about to mention that yes right because they had they knew that they couldn't finish so they delayed the date they delayed the date they delayed but then still it when it released it was so riddled with bugs people were like i think you could have t- like you have already convinced us saying that yeah you need more time take more time yeah, and, yeah. like how that, how company will react in that kind of situation i'm just i'm I'm wondering. Yes, and that's another point I wanted to make out. Apart from crunch, you the QA is like treated as not the best. There were a few companies that I worked with so good to QA, like, uh, and that's why those companies are like always the best. I'm going to give shout out to Eidos Montreal. They are the best company to work with if you are in QA or anything. They won the best workplace to work at at 2021. Wow, wow! People are amazing. The way they treat their testers are just. so good i'm just going to interrupt i'm just going to take the take the details out and put that in the description so in case if someone is looking for a job they can read to the description and you know hit the company and try taking a look at the recruitment pages as well i want to shout out if you going to work for adios good for you because they are the first company to start 4 days a week oh Ooh, oh it's wow. that company okay okay yes. I, now i have heard about them yes oh, okay okay makes sense I had a question something related to this one. In India, do they list do they know like this kind of a job or this kind of an industry exist? Gaming industry as a whole, are people aware of it? Are people aware that you know there is a market or there is a job market for people? Yeah, and I would say compared to 10 years ago till now, yes. Now I think now because more youngsters are playing games and most of them are looking for careers like most of them are most of them knows that there's a career path the problem is this <laughs> how of the how, how many of them listens to their parents <laughs> that's the biggest question true, like true. unless but nowadays a lot of kids are passionate and i've been you know a lot of them who approach me also asking me what hey i love games what do i do i want to take this guy but then i would give them advices like hey so what are your skills because i want to know if he's an artist there's good scopes for him if he's a coder that's even bigger scopes because programmers are everywhere uh, and they're always huge in demand anytime any day and right. over here they get like 20 times more than what they get in india what i'm saying is there's opportunities for them also so they always approach me they're like and i would first ask them hey what are your skills or what are you studying or so that would give me a, give me an idea and i would tell them hey okay so you're not in any of the it the thing you can start doing qa if you're an artist i would suggest try game artist if you have some digital artwork knowledge there's a lot of companies that takes you mm. for concept art or anything so yeah so first of all piyush there's still hope for you so, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly i have i have a i can pivot my career right i, I, I can do that <laughs> yeah you are you are, you are young yet <laughs> so what all other roles are there like you know within the within a gaming studio like like for example like, again you didn't mention that jobs opening up there are studios coming up so what kind of roles would these offer okay uh so if if you're talking about qa itself they have a lot of things like uh they have console qa they have pc they have uh certification qa for for different products so so you have qa certification for nintendo sony microsoft they have their own certification okay. qa team so you you need to pass the certification to get hired also so it's like uh Yeah so QA itself okay. has been branched into so many artists there like oh how do i put it you have you start with the concept artist uh, and then you have the rigging artist you have the environment artist and uh, animations artists right. programmers coders there are not just coders there's front end programmers there's back end programmers there's uh, there's even designers there's game designers there's level designers there's economy designers system designers 
that is those who have both coding and gaming will be system designers technical designers uh, yeah art technical art designers yeah i mean there's a lot of uh, and then now and i'm assuming yeah right like there will be support staff as well like. i was going to come to that yes sys admins you have the server admins sys admins security because you of course anybody can hack right you need someone from security also so you uh, then you um and then what else am i music oh how could i forget music sound effects music artists music creators uh, licensers you oh, game loft is so good at that that writers yeah and that's another thing i missed out writers uh, grammars localizations uh that's also different different fields um uh, sound rooms maintenance i mean the sound rooms like they have this full silent rooms where you can make different sounds so there are people who collects objects to make different sounds so that when you stamp on something walk on sand you're walking on tapes yeah, yeah. sound sound effects, sound effects artists, artists. Yes. basically foley artists yeah that is some studio some studios like mocap, ubisoft yeah. has their own mocap so they have people who acts for them and stuff like that i mean also is there an upper age limit to no because in qa uh, i've seen uh, senior people come and work uh, uh, especially in localization no there's no age limit uh, i wanted to ask now i mean you progress from game testing yep. to game design how is that job i mean obviously game testing is one of the things you do but game design is probably on a whole different level of working on games and creating now you're getting into developing yeah. and creating so uh, but tell us about that job how fulfilling i mean how fun is it how fulfilling is it what does it involve like just give us a a rundown on that game designing where do i begin uh it always starts with creating game design documents so even though it sounds fun you're making games you have tons of documents to do you have to do like 100 pages of documentation <laughs> and get those approved first and foremost so that's important uh you obviously you'll have to come up with a lot of concepts and mechanics so you need to understand how the game works and what competitors you need to so you need to do a bit of research and to you have to convince them why my game works or how my designs work for your game like you know and uh during my early days since it was mobile there was not much game designing as per se i had to do i had to more like design uh mechanics that would help improve our revenue because that's the most important thing how do you get players back to your game and how do you make them play the game so i had to design you know n- new stories or new features that would get the old players back in start playing the game and generate good revenue so i have to come up with a pizza station so i have to come up with cook i'm this is for star chef i've been to come up with the indian chef and a hawaiian chef and stuff like that and that worked out surprisingly <laughs> Yeah so <laughs> not surprised at all but yeah, yeah you need to have that yeah. hook right like yeah you need so to have that important. hook like that yeah. what you call right like someone yeah. when you're like, making your own game when you want to pitch in your game you need to give the what hmm. what is the uniqueness of that game what's the key selling point and that's what's everyone looking for how do why is this game so interesting and why would anyone play it and then you jump into how is this game going to make money that comes later that's like close to my producer side of me that and my analytics i said say hey if i do this this is how much revenue you're going to make because i've done production mm-hmm. production as well but for a game designer you just have to figure out with the mechanics what works uh, you have to create a lot of loop tables you know you need those loop tables the start mm-hmm. point end point because it's a cycle right how your game works so you figure that out and then to implement mechanics and stuff like that that's when you start learning the level designing tools the unity unreal place your map place the characters put in sounds see if it works and then keep trying test it funny thing is since i'm a tester i could always test while designing so it's like design check design check design check and nail it down and, and and then it works uh and then economy designing is another different ball game oh my god the excel side to learn the excel sheet because the game data is the most important thing for any games it's that one bi- uh, one biggest excel sheet with tons and tons of pages which has everything like starting from uh, how much xp you're getting how much items you're getting what items you're getting what characters this thing and uh, the entire stories in that big excel sheet uh, so and for economy design uh, designing uh, if you're good at excel yep 
that's the perfect role for you but overall it's fun when you're designing concepts when you're coming up with ideas you throw in ideas that phase is like a big drawing board i put in like hundreds of ideas and say hey we're going to match this and this how does that sound oh no okay next 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 ideation is always the fun part but once you start developing and all and creating the mechanics uh, you're going to stumble across a lot of things and once it starts working once you're running the game you're like okay this is not working what do i do oh goodness okay back to the drawing board and you know design it all over again this <laughs> is so simple to say like okay i come up with these concepts and you know i design this i think about them like i if if you tell me to think about something i'm a blank page yeah so this one example is my favorite big spin bingo it's a bingo game i'm so what the idea they were like how do we make a bingo game fun so this is why i came up with the spinning the wheel concept so the wheel spins oh. and wherever ball it lands on on the wheel that's where the players to chart the topic so it creates anticipation so people are waiting for the next ball so and funniest thing that worked and we didn't have to put a single dollar for marketing it just grown wa- organically see i guess it, there are various steps to this when you play a lot of games then a lot of things that you do in daily life or a lot of things that you see uh in daily life suddenly can you you start thinking how can this become a game yeah isko kaise game bana sakte right mm. and then as you get deeper into the thing once you become a tester then you look think about it even more then when you become the designer then everything becomes a game so nowadays whenever i'm watching a movie or a show for 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 example i always think okay this is like okay this is a game where okay now this is a cut scene and this is your regular dynamic this is a boss fight this is how you go from the, the you know this this part yeah. platforming element you know so everything so you suddenly start thinking everything and especially things that you see on screen right. itself everything starts becoming yeah. game oriented right everything is a game right how right. do you look at it as a game you start looking at a movie yeah. as a game you know so it sort of starts seeping into your thought yeah. process i guess sometimes you get amazed by some of the mechanics that you don't know how they did it but it worked so the best example uh, you all know hideo kojima right oh metal gear solid you heard yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you re- obviously yeah do you remember that psychomantis battle how he's taken control over the over you and you cannot control the character so what do you do which mgs is this that uh, was third or second i don't remember but i just remember this boss fight you know why i couldn't control the character but how do you control the character yeah, remove yeah. the joystick on the first player plug it on the second player joystick and you get to beat the boss i am like <laughs> oh my god my mind was blown at that moment i am oh, like yeah. how, how do you think you of these things right? like, like people have these ideas and you uh, you, uh, you get stunned at that moment then you're like i wish i could create something like this you know but you get inspiration for it yeah, yeah. you can come up with 100 ideas 1000 ideas how many of them how many of them can work we don't know but sometimes we always miss that one key point that made me surprised or like amazed you know like sometimes that that kind of ideas even work and that's that's how they become legends also because they come up with such concepts and story and my oldest memory of a game is about uh, mario and that wasn't me playing my elder brother playing and i'm watching him play like that yeah exactly like in your background so that that was the thing and i can still uh, you know as soon as that sound even that two beats of that sound it starts and you immediately know it's a, it's it's mario like you listen yes. it anywhere you know it's yeah. mario so i think that's what that's that's what pulls you the game okay you know the the sound the yep. cues you know you'll see a eight bit character yes. right with which is it is like it's so simple right it's red with a uh, you know a tan color face with mm-hmm. a hat that's mario yeah. for you like you know and luigi is the yep. green right that the white the white one and it is so simple right and you didn't hired a lot of things to play with like this was probably a 10 by 10 box or a 15 by 15 pixel box that's it and you can still see it and you'll know it's mario and i think that's the same thing like you know thousands of ideas but that one thing that clicks and then makes you remember yeah. like, oh i remember this game and i i'll remember this probably my yeah. whole life see i think for me the appeal of gaming is that it combines uh, it combines uh, a sense of familiarity w- with a sense of anticipation of something new 
So you're playing the same game that you always played. So the mechanics have become muscle memory for you. You know where the jumps are coming. You know where to jump, what to do. But it is put together in slightly different fashion. So you can't just uh, memorize your way through it. I mean, the best games will give you a little bit of a, a difference throughout every playthrough. So you know that something different is coming, but you also know that most of the stuff is pretty, most of the mechanics or most of the ways of doing things yeah. are familiar to you. So it's, you know, it's it's like playing sport, right? You know how to play a cover drive or you know how to dribble a ball. But every time you're playing a new opponent or even if it's the same opponent, they're doing something different, right? So there is that sense of familiarity, but there's also the sense of something new. And that is what gaming sort of mixes very well together. The best games mix them together to bring you in. And that's why you also get repeats as well. I mean, it's not as if... Uh, uh, you know, you only play this once because eventually you might find something new to do or some new way of doing things. People are still playing Mario. People are still emulating, you know, putting up and they still have those uh, N64s and boxes and handheld yeah. devices so that they can play bloody Mario, which was, which was released, what, 30, 40, 50 oh, no. years ago? I don't even remember Mario when it was released. The game itself has evolved. Like every time you see a new Mario game, they have right. something different, a different mechanics. Either you can switch from 3D to 2D or you have a different mechanics altogether. And and the best part about it is, is you don't need to be a gamer to be a game designer. And that's what Shigeru Miyamoto, right. the creator of Mario, said. He never hires gamers to be game, game designers. So yeah, he's a normal guy, a carpenter or something to, <laughs> to make games. Because they come up with very different ideas that are not there in the industry. And mm-hmm. that's how it clicks for some of them. So yeah, it fascinates me that it works. Like there are games that are dependent, like I think, again, variation yeah. of games, right? Like there are games that are completely on the yeah. story. Some might have yeah. action, some some might have just the just the visuals, right? Like you look at the visuals and you're like, oh, wow, what a game. There, there was this, uh, there's this game I played a little bit, but uh, I really liked and hmm. uh, it was called Dear Esther. Yes. And Dear Esther is a game that you don't do anything. You're just stranded on this island. There is nobody on that island. Okay. All you do is you travel across that island. It's abandoned, but you find traces of somebody having lived there. And he's written letters to some lady called Esther. And it's obviously a romantic interest. Uh, And it's just uncovering what happened to that guy and what happened to Esther also. Because there are two layers to this. What happened to the guy who wrote it? And then what happened to Esther before that? And so you're traveling across and there's nothing, there's no jumping, there's no running, there's no real danger in anything, but you're still trying to figure that out. So there, it's more of a narrative driven thing than, uh, you know, a game where you jump scares and you have to do platforming and fight a boss and this and that and your regular things. No, this is completely different from what you think of gaming as, mm. but it's still gaming, right? right. right. Uh, of course. So, of course. So there are games like which don't get into your regular, whatever you consider gaming, but they take that, which is why, you know, I always consider, I consider gaming a legitimate art form, Yeah, yeah. which I think a lot of what, uh, are, who call themselves pure artists or whatever, don't agree. But I think it's a legitimate art form because of the kind of, um, kind of things that you can express through that. And what is art at the end of the day, it's how you express your understanding of the world, right? So gaming, if gaming allows you to do that, then it's a brilliant, it's, it's an art form, right? See, again, that's the thing with, with our day and age, right? Like you, you are always, you know, in a hurry, you're doing something, you're stressed out about work and et cetera, et cetera. You want to pick up something that, you know, calms you down, that makes you relax, forget about other things and just do that. It could be anything, right? Like it could be a very, you know, a high fun do AAA title. It could be an indie game. It could be, you know, a strategy game could be anything, right? Or it could be Sims. It, Anything you want, man. Like that's if that's a game, you know, anything that relaxes you is a proper game. Yeah. And if I'm pissed, I just play Doom. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that, true. That, that music is so badass. The, the, the heavy metal music. And you just shoot <laughs> every, every aliens. Like. Yeah. I have funny memories with Doom. Like I remember I used to go to my dad's office like back in like, oh the classic know, doom 2000 something like <laughs> oh, the classic doom yeah, oh. and i would you know and he would be i would just wait for him to go to a meeting or something and i would just start playing game and he'd be like what are you doing get out of my machine yeah there are some games that used to be so simple and i think some of them they've uh, they, I, I won't name any names but some of them they've over complicated like i'll give you an example and this is i mean i love the new god of war game 
Okay, yeah. But I loved the earlier God of Wars uh, so much that I named my cats Kratos yeah. and Pandora. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I loved the and the you know for me God of War was what you just mentioned Doom yeah. for yeah. yourself, Carl. Uh, it's that button mashing is so cathartic. Yeah, because that man is so angry. He's angry for me, <laughs> so that's my anger. He's taking out and he's grabbing an uh, Olympian god and tearing his head off. And I want to do that, <laughs> but I don't have to do that because yeah. Kratos is doing it. And suddenly you create a game where he's a thoughtful father figure. <laughs> like, okay, man. Less of boy, the boy. less of the parenting, more of the ripping monsters from limb yeah. to limb. <laughs> you know? Well, it's a brilliant game. I love that game. And and now we're gonna have Thor in it. Visuals, right? Visuals. That's what I'm saying. The visuals are so good. Like, like, you know, you people got so attached to the but it it shifted like from Greek to Norse mythology. Yeah, yeah. He killed all the Greece, Greek gods. No, there's nobody left to kill. Right. I'm just waiting. He killed everybody. I'm waiting for Hindu mythology and how much uproar will that be? Uh, it's gonna be for banned sure. in India for, for sure. sure. Like India's not gonna have. <laughs> yeah, just think. I can't even say. I can't. I'm not even. Just think of him doing something. We, like we are that. pivoting. We are pivoting. Sorry, uh, Sandeep. Before we get cancelled, I'm gonna pivot. This <laughs> is talking about games and reminiscing old memories. I'm just gonna put it out for you, Carl. Like your top five games. I know I'm gonna put you on spot. There would be a lot of them, but think top five. I'm gonna start the latest one, which has reached my number one, uh, like which I never expected. But the new one was Elden Ring. Now that's my number one game. And that was such a masterpiece, and I've completed it. I platinumed it. I, I'm gonna put that as my number one. Now the the game that fell okay. to number two, that was my number one of all time, was Chrono Trigger. It's an old classic uh, JRPG game. Uh, it was done by the, the the artist was done by Akira Toriyama and it, uh, from Dragon Ball Z, so it looks like Dragon Ball Z, but it's a JRPG. Mm. It, it it was the first game to introduce try uh, not first, but it was one of the first games to have multiple endings, and it was time traveling. So that's Chrono Trigger. Oh, wow. Number three, uh, I remember. Have you have you played a game called Heavy Rain? Yeah, I did. So. It is a very small game and a very obscure game, but uh, again, it is. It's got. It's a murder mystery. Piyush, I'll fill you. I mean, it's basically you're solving a murder mystery, and mm. from four different perspectives, and you have some thirteen different endings to that. Oh wow! And it's it's a short game, so it's a seven eight hour game. It's not very long, so you can do it again. And because it's a mystery, and because it can be wildly different uh, endings. You you're tempted to at least play for three four times. Uh, so that was uh, you know that multiple ending thing. But anyway, sorry, Carl, I interrupted you. Number three is Witcher three. Wow. And Witcher three, Witcher three was I don't know how to explain. It was one of those games that I never knew could be made, but it was made. It was like a big explorative game on a Witcher world, which was yeah. and it was. During that peak time of Game of Thrones, and also it felt so good, like when you're in that fantasy world. Uh, number four was the same. Uh, was another game that was released at the same year as Witcher Three, which is sadly why it couldn't win any game of the years. But that is Bloodborne. It's the same creators behind Elden Ring. Elden Ring, uh, Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. Dark Souls. Uh, uh, basically, from software game. Another uh, game has reached my top is Bloodborne. What I love about that is its dark theme, its mechanics, and I love the weapons. Mm. You can switch from a single blade to uh, you can switch uh, from a single blade to a longer blade, and you can switch from guns to hammers, and you, from that hammer you can pull a sword out of it and become your second weapon. So the the weapon switching mechanics was beautiful, and I love love the style. These from software games are uh, famous for being devilishly tough to play, aren't they? Yeah, like your Dark Souls, yeah. your Bloodborne, even Elden Ring—they're not easy games to play. The funniest thing is we played Contra, right? If anyone can beat Contra, they can play Elden <laughs> Ring and Bloodborne. Come on, uh, you know, I'm not joking. Uh, Battle Toads, oh God, Battle Toads—that was one of the hardest games I played. Oof, I don't want to even think about it. Uh, and my fifth, I'm just gonna give uh, between two games, which is um. Uh, I'm going to just merge two games into this because it's hard to choose between the number five. It's uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Hash, uh, Fire Emblem Awakening. 
so that those are my top five games. And then, of course, when it comes down to 10, it does God of War and uh, all the other games. Yeah. Yeah. That's, why, that's why I didn't ask you 10. Another top five, because I know the list is not going to be Sandeep, what's your top five? I'm not going to give a top five ranking, but I'll tell you my top five favorite games. So my, my probably my all-time favorite game of all time is uh, Red Dead Redemption. Nice. It's a beautiful game. It's, I love, I love that game. I mean, uh, f- I mean, of course, all the mechanics and everything, but the writing of that game, I mean, some of the quotes that that guy comes up with, are like, you know, I'm not a political man, but for you, I'll make an exception. <laughs> I, I remember so many of those. Then, of course, uh, God of War 3. I love all the God of War, God, God of War uh, movies. The last one is also uh, very good. God of War 3 was the most fun because there, <laughs> there is an ending where you you have uh, you are beating the crap out of a greek senior greek god and what you have to do is you have to keep pressing uh, your um, uh, your r3s your mm-hmm. in your uh, your thumb buttons uh, and just keep uh, all it have all that happens on the screen is you see his face and then the entire screen starts getting more and more red with all the blood that's splashing on the screen and then it eventually just becomes red and you can still hear the punches landing. Yeah. <laughs> so God of War 3 is uh, one of my favorite games. Uh, Heavy Rain. Mm. Again, really, really favorite game of mine. Um, what else do I like? Uh, I'll give it a rest at 3 for now. Uh, there are quite, See, I, then I don't want to pick and choose. There's so many out there that uh, one loves. You that. asked me a very difficult question. You guys asked me a very difficult Because I was, th- I was like having 100 games in my mind. Like, okay, I have to choose my top five now. Oof. See, that's why that's why the question was just like top five because I know this could go on and on. Yeah, so uh, maybe like four would be something like uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, beautiful game. Oof. Which is just a beautiful game. It's just so... You see, it feels so bad when you're killing things. I wouldn't spoil anything, but there is a certain amount of killing. I, I think you almost did. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're killing certain things, you feel really bad. There's a, there's a genuine sense of guilt. Like, what am I doing? There's such a sparse world also. It's beautifully rendered world. Although I didn't like the, the same developers came out with the last Guardian. I wasn't a very big fan of that. But uh, Shadow of the Colossus, again, would be uh, one of my top games. So I'm stopping at four. I'm bailing at four. Piyush, <laughs> mine would be the stupidest ones. If you enjoy them, there's nothing stupid, man. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're having fun. Again, I mentioned like, I I gave a disclaimer. I'm not a gamer. So okay, I'm gonna start off. I'll I'll do uh, the. I like Forza. Forza Horizon. Oh, the reason is I I get to drive beautiful cars. It's the the scenes are good, so I I, I don't mind that. I uh, loved Mortal Kombat. I think I the one that I had is Mortal Kombat X. It, again, button mashing, killing someone, you know, and fatality so that, you know, you put out all your anger on there. Um, then Contra used to be, again, my all-time yeah. favorite because that was Classic. such a beautiful game. And the sound, the sound, the sound. Uh, Mario, I've mentioned a few times, so I'll, I'll do Mario. Um, and I think the f- I'm just trying to rack my brain for the fifth one. I used to play a lot of Assassin's Creed, the uh, the older oh, yeah. ones, not not the recent yeah. ones. I yeah, the re- later ones I I didn't like. Uh, I played the entire Ezio uh, Auditore saga. Yeah, say, right, right. I think this was Assassin's Creed two and Assassin's Creed three. Two uh, Brotherhood Revelations. These were his uh, yeah. three. Yeah, so, so I, the first one was Altair. Huh, the second, the second uh, uh, Assassin's Creed two, uh, Brotherhood and Revelations. Three games yeah. with Ezio. Third one. And then the the Assassin's Creed three was the one in North America with that uh, American Indian guy yeah. and all that. So this one was again the same the second and third that I used to, I, I I played because I had I got a laptop which could support it so I was I was very happy to play. So I loved those games. So I think, but again, long back. Yeah, I actually learned a lot about uh, history. Yeah. Through that, I I remember the the Pope, uh, and I remember certain areas of Rome and Florence and and Venice and Istanbul. Da Vinci, <laughs> yeah, Da Vinci. You become friends with Da Vinci. You st- you try to you uh, you try you get uh, you have a fight with the Pope in the uh, in the Vatican. Yeah, yeah, those those were really good. I I think it's sort of some they then were hit and miss later, right? Uh, God of, uh, sorry, Assassin's Creed 3 wasn't particularly good. It was too long. 
I like Black Flag, and then mm. after that, I think Odyssey was good. Um, Valhalla, I, I finished it. Yeah, Valhalla, I liked it a bit because only because I love Norsemith. But then, mm. apart from that, gameplay wise, it was dragging a bit. I mean, yeah, yeah, I love I love Norse mythology, but I could not. I for me, it was like I don't want to spend that much time. I I agree with both of you. The best one is the second, the Ezio series. The yeah, the number two Brotherhood and Revelations. Those three were all good, especially the first uh, introduction to Ezio was amazing. Like the second part, yeah, that that is also I think my my favorite. I think I, I sorry I do I think this is since we have talked a lot about AAA titles right, and we mentioned like when we were talking about a top five game, these are like these are expensive games, right? Like these are not cheap to buy. No, no, I. I also like Temple Run, <laughs> but no, 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 no. That's what I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting at too. I'm getting getting that too. Like so, people love AAA titles, right? These are built for masses. These are like you know, if you're a yeah. gamer or if you have a good machine, you can do it. But then there's again, we are touched upon this as well. Is there's a whole in, indie yes. industry, right? About indie games. There are awards yes. for indie games. There are you know, go to conventions. You see people coming up with like again, two man studios yeah. as you mentioned, like of a t- small team. and they make such amazing beautiful games you know like would, do you you have some you know some option that people should try or listeners should try and again which you don't have to spend that much money also on that i'm going to give a shout out to one of the indian studios that made the nominations for game of the year last year it's a raji oh. play raji everyone like this is one of the indie titles oh. made by indian gaming studio they were nominated is it raj raji and ancient epic yes Oh, I'm also gonna link the game on the uh... yeah, link it, link it. So shout out to those guys. They did a very uh, really awesome job. They really brought out the you know the Indian gaming scene. It's because of them now India is being recognized as one of the good studios out there. I mean, they India can produce amazing studios like this. A small team, really amazing developers. The studio name is Nodding Heads. Nodding Heads, yes, Nodding Heads Games. Yeah. So shout out to those guys. Uh, and now if we jump on to other indie games uh yeah journey was one of my first which i loved uh, from uh, the, that game company journey journey oh, okay uh, on the ps3 ps4 yeah it, it i just it's it's another one of those games that doesn't it doesn't crack your usual ideas of game mechanics and all that there's no fighting yeah. there's no none of that sort of stuff it's more of a it's a it's also you know a game that sort of reminds me of you know it it helps you go to sleep also it yes. calms you down so well it's a yes. beautiful game yep yeah there are a lot of artistic indie uh, indie games so well there are like some indie games yeah like uh, the best one, uh, the my favorite one which i liked was hades which was released like last or two years ago hades it's a rogue like mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. i think it cost like 10 to 15 dollars i think it was cheaper when i bought it Not bad. Yeah, it is a really yeah. The game. artwork on it was very good, it, uh, and I think they also got a lot of kudos for uh, Bastion uh, diversifying the ethnicities of the gods. So they're supposed yeah. to be Greek gods, but there yeah. are various um, skin tones and ethnicities, and there are black people and you know Asian, hmm. East Asian style people, you know. in that as well so they they're quite i yeah. think it, it and it's stunning to look at stunning oh yeah so, and this this is super giant games and i've been following them for quite some time since they created bastion bastion it's their narration logan mm-hmm. cunningham he, he's done a great job with his voice acting he, it's amazing bastion transistor i think they had one game which, uh, uh i'm not remembering the name Pyre, Pyre, and now the recent one, Hades, is like their most successful game. It won best indie game. It won best action game for Game of the Year awards. I mean, for those categories, and it's one of those indie studios, you know, that everyone loves and supports. So they are also another good indie studios to look out for. There are so many out there; it's very hard to name. So you again, there's if you want. any style of game that you know you fancy is out yes. there like if you want yeah. an artistic as we mentioned like artistic games are there gameplay oh. games are there if you want good weapons games are there if you just only if you want to good good drive cars also there's game there there so i would say go for uh, games that is created by annapurna studios even yeah, though it's out in indian i think it's run, uh, run by american group but it sounds indian but annapurna has made a lot of great 
Indian, uh, not India, sorry, has made amazing indie games uh, to follow. And then publishers, uh, Digital Devolver are the one of the best publishers for indie games. They always support, uh, uh, you know, few developers who want to jump into the, you know, the bigger space. They get promoted easily by Digital Devolver. If you're a good, you get a lot of good indie games out there as well. So yeah, I usually refer those. And if you want to start playing all those indie games very cheap, go to Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle. Pay one do- Humble Bundle. Humble Humble Bundle. They sometimes release. Uh, you have to keep checking regularly because sometimes they release Humble Indie Bundle, where they give like five six games for a dollar. Hmm. And if you pay like ten dollars, you get. Or if you reach the average limit, you get more games. And if you pay twenty, you get like 20, 20 30 games at once and yeah you get to play all of them so that's I'll add that in the link as well you know if yeah. anyone wants to why not and again yeah. it's it's not very expensive you can actually afford it no, so. yeah 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 for sure that's why I just put out there. that used to be my place too when I want to buy games for you know indie games especially for uh, really cheap that's one of the places to go and you're also supporting like some of the percentage cuts goes to charity so you're, you're you know oh, wow. you're doing it for a cost you can even adjust like out of your five dollars, how many you want to contribute to the development, how many you want to contribute to humble, and how many you want to comp- contribute this charity. So you can adjust your amount, and you can donate that uh, completely. So that helps everyone. That so, is yeah, that is interesting. That's yeah. that's a, that's a very good model, right? Because then it you know, is, indie it is. games people are, it's it's not like they're getting paid by some other different yeah, company yeah, yeah, yeah. doing their own thing. Yeah. Since most gaming are jumping into streaming, it's not going to be easier for them to sell their games, you know, right. single, right? right? Like now everyone's putting their games out for games that's going for free or when you pay yeah. a subscription. So yeah, I mean, these are other ways you can help them, you know. Then now, of course, I always go to Steam during their summer sales. You can always get a couple of those indie games and even AAA games and all for dirt cheap if you want to. I always look for these sales and these timings you know when to buy these games mm. if you don't want to because as you all said right gaming is a very expensive hobby right but if you right. plan it well uh, yeah you can get those games much cheaper if you're patient enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, even uh, things like XBLA uh, which is Xbox Live Arcade, Arcade yes. uh, PlayStation Plus yeah. they also have lots of deals so if you subscribe to these sort of um, biggies then you you do get good deals on some game. Maybe they might be a little late, but it isn't. I mean, unless you really want to yeah. play Last of Us two like the day it's out, yeah, which yeah. is which a lot of people want to do, which is fair. But if you also are willing to wait and play the games you've accumulated over the last uh, year, over the next six months, maybe you'd get a deal on mm. Last of Us two or whatever game, Spider Man Homecoming, for example. Uh, at the end of that, on a, on one of these subscription services, yeah. which could, uh, you know, fit you very well. So, or you could wait for somebody to have finished playing it and sell the disc hmm. uh, secondhand. You might not get some DLCs and other sort of perks, but um, you'll at least be able to play the game, which is at the end of the day, if you cut out all the other stuff, the whole thing is about playing the game, isn't it? Right. So right. have fun doing that. Yep. So it's just a matter of biding your time and looking out for deals and uh, it doesn't have to be that expensive. Yeah. Except for if I'm looking forward to indie games, I'll definitely pay the full price to support them because yeah, they're not, yeah, yeah. they're yeah, not, yeah. Selling, they're not, they're giving it like only for $15. I might as well, you know, buy the yeah, whole yeah. thing and enjoy the games, you know? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. You're supporting, it's like, it's like going to your local store and buying things. Like it's, it's yeah, exactly yeah. like that. Right? It's yeah, a smaller exactly. company, smaller group of people. Yeah, I, w- I would support them and pay full price, yeah. So we've talked about, you know, PS5, you're waiting for your PS5, you have your PS4. Carl yeah. already has a PS5. I has. Yeah. I have an Xbox and a PC that can play really good games. I think Carl, which you one? also have. Sorry, what? PC? Wh- which Xbox do you have? I have Xbox One S. Oh, the One S. Uh, the one. Not, not the new okay. one. Not yeah. the new one. I, I, I Ex- bought it something. What they call the Xbone? No, it's X-Bone X. <laughs> yeah, X-Bone X. X-Bone X. Nintendo's and Xbox's naming convention has really it's confused very weird. people. It's yeah. Xbox, Xbox no, 360 we. to Xbox One to Xbox One S, not Xbox X. Whatever. So I have that. No, no, I'm going to I'm going to have a Wii. Wii. <laughs> no, no, Wii U. Wii U. <laughs> Wii, U. Uh, Wii U. No, I'll get a Wii V. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sony cracked it. It was PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3. Then they had PlayStation Portable. It was leaving nothing to the imagination. PlayStation 2, PlayStation Portable, PlayStation 3. Then they suddenly said, let's go, let's, let's be cool. Let's make it PlayStation Vita. What yeah, the hell is Vita? Yeah. It's the handheld. Yeah. So why don't you just call it the PSP? Uh... Because it's cooler. <laughs> you know? PSP too. Yeah, but otherwise Sony cracked it. I think it was it was an amazing conversation about, you know, all the games, gaming industry and a lot of lot of lot of fun and a lot of new things that at least I learned. But I think um, I think it's I think it's a good time. And I would again to like before ending, I would want to, you know, just ask Carl, like what advice do you want to give to the younger generation who might want to get into industry or want, you know, someone who wants to move to in the industry, like what, what would, what would you give them? You know, your parting thoughts. Enjoy your games, be passionate about your games. And now, and then once you really want to get serious into designing, jump into unity unreal. And if you're good at art and good at programming, always do research before you jump in, it'll always help. And if you want to jump into specific studios and always, always do uh, into that specific studios, do research on those companies, you know, and know what games they make and also that you can see what kind of games you'd like to test for. So, yeah, or work for, you know, it, it always helps. Thanks very much, Carl. Um, and guys, you must have all heard the saying that uh, if you do what you love, you'll never work for a day in your life, which basically means Carl gets paid for having fun <laughs> and not working. Hell yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day. So may his tribe increase. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you for having me here. Uh, you're very welcome, Carl. And we'll have you on again. Yeah, of course. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And yeah, what we can do is we can have another, um, maybe every couple of months, we can do a chat about some games that have come out and maybe discuss them. Yeah, you'll and have to have advise like a... me first which games should, so I can do a little bit of research to understand. Otherwise, no. you'll be like, you'll be talking. No, no, like, no. The, the only research you need to do, Piyush, is play the game. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So that's, that you'll have to tell me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, I mean, if Carl, you're open to it, we have three different levels of gaming uh, familiarity here. Okay. Uh, so it'd be great to, if you're okay, we'd, we could do something like that. Maybe every f- three, four months we could do. Yeah, sure. That would be amazing to do that. Yeah, I'm open to it. Yep. And uh, guys, thank you for joining in. I, I have, I'll have Carl's details on the description. So if you want to hit him up on LinkedIn, if you want to hit him up on email, please do that. You know, he's a very lovely guy, very funny guy. Uh, and again, thank you again, Carl, for joining us. And you can follow us at BKT2. We have all the social medias. You can do it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find us wherever you can. And please do subscribe to the podcast. 